Are you ready to get the support you need for your author career and life? Join international indie bestseller Angela J. Ford and fantasy author Stephanie Wabwa as they talk all things writing, publishing, and the real life of an indie author. Welcome to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. Living your best indie life starts here. Hello, and welcome to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. We are here with episode 28 for you, and we'll be talking about book launching and book launching basics. But before we dive in, Stephanie, how's your week been? Hello, hello. I am super excited for today's conversation. It's going to be a ton of fun, but update for me i have finished episode number two of my serial my angelic storm elemental every time i feel like i have to say that it sounds like a tongue twister and i have to like take a break and really think about what i'm about to say before i sound like a fool however <laughs> storm see angelic storm elemental judge me later y'all um so i <laughs> wrote episode two of that it's really really exciting i'm gonna send that out to my people soon get their votes on how they want that episode to end and then i will go ahead and dive into episode number three because i'm really enjoying her story it's coming to me quickly but i can't write it until everybody votes so <laughs> i'm excited about that i'll be getting that out um soon and i began a fantasy romance serial which is really exciting for me we'll see how it turns out because i think my romance writing probably needs a whole lot of work but <laughs> the idea came to me um just and it's really fun i what people don't know is part of my heritage is haitian and so like it's just a bunch of island people and so like i just in my head i saw an island girl with like a lot of powers and she loves to read and she studies scrolls and all this stuff and she has like mage like powers um so that's really really fun she 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 has a lot of power probably too much um but it's a fantasy romance between this like what i call them is the daughter of the dons because they live on land they're land dwellers these angels that live on land and so um she has she's a mage and she has all these different kinds of powers and then the male counterpart, he is a siren. Um, I, every story about the sea is always about mermaids and it's always about a woman. I decided to throw that, like to flip that trope on its head. It is a male siren and he is the heir to the king of the seas. And they, so it's a very slow burn enemies to lovers romance so i don't know how long it'll take me for me to like start making them friends but it kicks off with them like absolutely hating each other and it's so much fun um it's just a lot of fun they hate each other they are enemies they want to kill the other's kind they want to obliterate the other's existence it's absolutely awesome it's the angels of the land versus the angels of the sea who shall win neither because they'll fall in love <laughs> plot twist um so <laughs> that's really really fun i've been working on that I have the title for it i have the descriptions for these characters i already know how book one is going to end so i will be diving into that and then with seraphim with seraphim resistance book two I kind of took a step back because I didn't create a map for it, which with as big as this world is, I should have known this by now. Stephanie, you should have created a map. 
Oh, mm -hmm. well. So, <laughs> so I'm learning from my little mistake there. Um, I'm taking a step back. And so I'm not going to stop writing it. Like as soon as that map is good and I finish um, the first book of the fantasy romance serial, I'm diving right back to where I was. I'm picking up where I left off and I'm going to continue the story and finish draft one. So uh, for Sarah, while I write this first book of the serial, I will be creating the map so that I can visually see. I, I know where everything is going to go, you know, because you guys know that I plot. So like I know how it starts, how it ends, the different things that go on and the journey she will she will go through as far as like growth and self-development. But I need to visually see where the heck they're going. And right now I couldn't. So um, I will be doing a map. I will be if they go on a quest. Hello, like the the core foundation of fan epic fantasy quests. So they're gonna go on a quest. I need to just figure out like the little trails that they go through in, in the different worlds. And then I'll be good to go with that story. So I have a few stories I'm juggling at the same time, but it's a lot of fun. It keeps you on your toes. You don't know what's happening. And because I'm dealing with so many different characters, the fun is back. Cause I'm like, I don't know what's happening over here. I don't know what's happening over here. It's always a new discovery. And I think that's a really, really good thing rather than being so bogged down with one story that you get bored and you kind of like lament and put it away dealing with multiple stories and like different characters keeps it fun for me because they're all different. They all have different motives. They're all going to go through different growth journeys. And so it's really fun, but it's all in the same universe, different worlds, but the same universe. So all of these stories overlap in different points of time. And it's just the coolest thing ever. So I'm having a blast with my writing journey right now. What about you, Angela? What do you have going on? I can tell that you're having a blast because it's just so exciting and you're all smiles. And you know, you guys, if you're not watching this on YouTube or on Facebook, you should because it's a lot of fun. We're very expressive to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I can tell that you're having a good time with it and it's a lot of fun and you're so excited about what's going to happen next and just creating these new characters and diving into their realms and their worlds. And that's really exciting. I like that you're writing in the same world, but it's at different times. And I think when you create something that's so big and so massive, it's really fun to really dig in to the different parts of the world and the different um people groups and what they're like, because it just it just makes it richer when you're writing the main story. But uh, with writing, I realized that I'm working on my my serial uh, tells the enchanted wildwood, which I'm absolutely loving. It's so fun. And I realized I have like the first three, you know, done. Um, I'm working on the third one, wrapping that one up. But I realized I need to go ahead and get my ideals done for the next two so I can send them over to my illustrator um, so she can have that ahead of time. And so I've been thinking about it. Um, I've been kind of doing well with this last one I'm working on, the third one. It is low key a retelling of Beauty and the Beast. And then I'm thinking of doing another retelling. We'll see which one it ends up being, but I, I'm thinking about it. Um, I think doing a retelling of Snow White would be pretty fun, but I'm also trying to think about how I would put my own unique flair on it. Um, just because it's really interesting. So my stepdaughter has never seen Snow White and she told me it's because she thinks it looks boring. And I thought that was a very interesting observation. You know, in the time, we're in the time of like Frozen and Frozen 2 and Tangled. And it's just a lot different from like the, the old school. I don't know what it is about Snow White. Maybe it's because she just lived with seven little men. It's strange. But anyway, 
I was just thinking about how to make it like fun and exciting. Of course, these are adult fairy tale retellings, but it was just just very interesting observations. But yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. A lot of fun with like thinking of, you know, these little micro stories to write. And then in the back of my head, I've been plotting my big epic fantasy series. I actually, you'll be proud of me because I have a Word document or a Google Doc and I've been writing down like the characters, what they look like, their personality traits, like just their background, stuff like that. You know, they're all like the key plot points for them. You know, like this is who they are. This is where they are right now. This is what's going to happen. This is where they'll end up at the end of the story. So kind of like, you know, the, the beginning, the middle and the end. But I mean, it's, it's all in one sentence. So it's super short and easy, but still like I'm putting it together and I'm really excited about it. And I already have a map and I'll just show you real fast on YouTube, you can see my little map that I drew, which oh, is you're more advanced than I am because my page is still blank. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hysterical. You know, I like to draw things out so I have a visual, but pro tip, um, inkcarnic.com is a really cool place to go if you want to build your own map. Um, yeah. If you pay $25 per year, I think they give you a lot more features so you can make something that is professional level and you can include that in your next book. All right, that's my advertisement of the day. <laughs> and it's a good one too, because hint, hint, it goes exactly with what we're talking about. But um, I think that is just so much fun. Um, just a little shameless plug here. It definitely is an adult fantasy romance serial that she has going on over there. And it's quite spicy and good. So uh, you should read them. <laughs> it's very enjoyable. Thank you very much. <laughs> But it's just, it's really fun to be able because like we write the big epics, right? And so like as palette cleansers, which pro tip again, these short little serials, and it doesn't have to be romance, you know what I mean? We're writing it because, you know, romance is fun. It's cheesy. It's easy. You can get it out. And it's really enjoyable to like, you know, make your characters, whether they hate one another and they become best friends and then they become lovers or whatever the case may be. It's just really fun to write. But having these short little short stories or novellas that you write in between or as you write your big epics is so good because like you need that palate cleanser when you're trying to like crush out a hundred thousand plus words of a story and you have so many moving parts so many characters and it's only one little crumb that you know is going to take place in this massive story and journey that will take place over several books having the these little stories it's such a good palate cleanser it helps you to like not hate writing <laughs> not hate the decision that you made to start this journey with this epic story <laughs> like it helps you to remember that you actually enjoy being a writer <laughs> So it's so good to have these little stories because then you can be like this where you're like, I'm enjoying everything. You know, I'm taking a break for the epic, but I'm going to go back to it. I just needed a little break to just go and wander off in these little journeys over here and then I'll be right back. So I think it's really good to do that. And obviously we are both having tons of fun writing our little stories. <laughs> Yeah, no joke. And I'm really excited for our topic today because we're going to talk about book launching. But little caveat, we're not going to talk about like the technical aspects of it. Because with book launching, you probably already know you need a great cover, you need an editor to work with, you know, you should get the copy editor, you should have a proofreader, you should, you know, write out your blurb, just like all these things that you should do, you need to format your book, 
you need to upload it to Amazon. If you want paperbacks, you should look into that too. That's all great and well and good. But we're going to talk about some of the, I guess, the, the more fun or maybe not even fun is the right word for it. I think it's fun because I absolutely love marketing. But we're going to talk about more of the, um, the nitty gritty and getting into some of the tough questions and challenges that authors face when it comes to book launching and how to make those different decisions. Before we get started talking on today's topic, here's a word about our Indie Author Lifestyle Workshops. Workshops are designed for career authors who want in-depth training on certain topics to help you take your career to the next level. Join us each month to dig into writing, publishing, and book marketing strategies for only $27.99. Plus, get access to the exclusive community. Find out our topic of the month by going to IndieAuthorLifestyle.com forward slash workshops. Now, back to our episode. Absolutely. So right now we're going to go ahead and transition into our interview for today because that's what it is. Surprise! We are interviewing Angela today, Angela J. Ford, and we are going to just get all of this good information about book launching basics. We know that if you are a listener to this podcast, you have these questions. You know, what do I do? How do I launch these books that I'm writing? How do I make money? I've plateaued. Amazon has changed the algorithms again. I don't know what to do. I'm frustrated. We are going to help you today. So whip out your notebooks, whip out your pens, whip out your documents or your little, you know, your notebook apps on your phones, and we're going to dive in. So first thing we're going to talk about is pre-orders versus live launching y'all so angela tell us because you've done both so which do you prefer and why okay so i have two schools of thought on pre-orders and live launching so i would say if you're a first-time author before you release a book you probably don't want to do a pre-order and hear me out on this because I did do a month long pre-order when I was a first time author, but one of the things that, you know, unless you already have a, a group of people on your newsletter that are ready to pre-order, the first thing people wanna do, especially if you are a brand new author, is they just wanna read your book. They don't wanna sit around and wait for it. And if you think about it, if you have one of your favorite authors that you know, and you get a notification that they have a new book coming out and it's gonna be available in like five or six months, you go ahead and pre-order. I actually got a notification from Amazon for one of my favorite authors and she has a book coming out in about six months. And I pre-ordered it so fast. Like there may have been maybe one second between I saw the email and that pre-order message was in my inbox because it was just fast. But that's because I know her work and I absolutely love it. And I know that I want to read everything that she puts out. And so I'm going to pre-order versus with as a new author, when you're building up an audience, you really want to, you want people to read. You want them to read and fall in love with it and get on your email list and become your super fans. And so you want to get your books into their hands as soon as possible. And so what you want to do is upload your book and go ahead and publish it, get it out there and start marketing it. 
Now, I will say if you are planning a big marketing campaign for your first book, it makes sense to go ahead and put it on pre-order for about a week because that way you can go ahead and get the links and then you can hand them out to people, especially if you're doing newsletter swaps or, you know, having a advertising on different sites like free booksy and things like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Otherwise, you just want people to start reading as soon as possible so that you can start building that list. And now with pre-orders, I would say that it makes more sense to do pre-orders if you are an established author. And so I would say that I have more of a following now because I've published over 10 books. And so now when I have a new book coming out, I'll go ahead and put it on pre-order, especially if it's the first book in a series and I have my covers and everything's ready to go. I'll go ahead and put that on pre-order, maybe like three months in advance or so, so that people can know that it's coming out and they already like my book, but I'm targeting my current audience and they can go ahead and pick it up and they will be more likely to do that because they already know me and like my books. And then once that book comes out, I can market it to a wider audience. So pre-order versus live launching, it really depends on where you are in your author career and what you're trying to do. So, so good. And what I want to ask is, so for the listeners who are like, am I a newbie? Am I good enough to, to do a pre-order, et cetera? So like, what, let's say for pre-orders, what would be your best tips? And then for live launching, what would be your best tips to have successful uh, campaigns for both? Yeah. So with pre-orders, I think that running an ad campaign can be really helpful and then telling your email list and then also doing newsletter swaps where you have a group of audience where they have books that are very similar to yours. Like you write in that same, not even the same genre, but the same subgenre. So if you write YA fantasy and it with strong female leads, those are the kinds of authors that you're going to want to be friends with authors that write YA fantasy with the strong female lead. Um, and so you want to think about that and make sure that you're doing swaps with them so that they can share in their newsletter and you can share in your newsletter uh, about their upcoming book release and they can do the same for you, vice versa. Uh, that's a really key thing to do. I've been seeing, I have a box set that recently launched and most of my sales are coming from those newsletter swaps when other people feature it, just because I think they've seen my name already. Um, they kind of are familiar with me from seeing me from Facebook ads and Amazon ads. And so when they see the same book over and over and over again, they're more likely to pick it up. And then if their favorite author is also saying, here's a recommendation for you, they're also like, oh, okay, I will go ahead and get this now, now that I've seen it a few times. And this author that I trust and I like is recommending it. Uh, as for live launching, I think one of the things with that is just launching a little bit quieter and then focusing hard on making sure that your sales are increasing every day. And so one of the things that was really popular back when I was uh, getting into book launching in 2014 and 2015, when I was studying about it, the big thing was making sure that your book would hit a bestsellers list. And so you would get a big group of people together and you would ask them to buy your book on one certain day. And well, now the thing is Amazon has gotten on to people for that. And they know that, you know, if people are planning a launch, they're gathering these people and telling them, okay, on March 1st, everyone go buy this book. And then your book is going to spike up in the chart. And then the next day it's going to drop right back down because it's, it's not organic. 
You just have people that are going to buy this book because you said so. So now what Amazon is looking for is more of the organic buys. They want to see that your book can do well over a sustained period of time. So over the course of two weeks, you hit launch and you try to make sure that your sales are increasing, are staying pretty much the same almost every single day. And so you want to make sure that your spikes are going up and up and up. Um, one way to do this is by launching at 99 cents uh, because you will get more of the, the instant sales when you launch then. And people won't really hesitate to buy your book. They'll just look at it and go, it's 99 cents and they'll buy it. And so that's a great way to get not even dozens, but if you launch right, you can get hundreds of sales off of that. But the thing is you wanna make sure those sales are continuing. And so when I'm doing a live launch like that, I tend to schedule newsletter swaps over a 30 day period and I'll post in different groups and I'll say, hey, my book's coming out soon. I'm looking for you to um, share my book during this time period. And I'll give them a two week chunk and then I'll make, I might give a different group a different two week chunk just so that I'm getting lots of shares and my book is still continuing to rise in the charts over time. So I highly recommend doing that for book launching just so that you don't have a one day spike and then disappear. So, so good. <laughs> wow. That's actually really smart because you would think that Amazon would catch on to that, you know, like your book spikes and then, and then it just drops. And I know that we off the, off the cuff, we've had this conversation about, you know, the whole bestseller tag where it's like, okay, are you really a bestseller? If you hit it one day and then you drop back down, now you've hit it. So you've got the tag, but then you drop back down or you hit it and you continue to stay up there because you're continuing to bring in sales. And so I love that you specifically schedule over 30 days. I don't think that some people think of that. They probably think, okay, well, the first week, let me get in all of my, you know, my big sales that it spike up in those first seven days. And then we'll just see what happens afterwards. So I think that's really, really smart. And you talked about 99 cents, which is a perfect segue into my next question. And so which do you think is wiser for an indie author? Because right now, this is the biggest conversation that we are having in our communities. Do we price our books at 99 cents or do we go ahead and price them at the full price when we're launching? You know, like are, are, are you finding authors or even for yourself, are you making more money when your book is at 99 cents or when it's full price? And then you can also, I guess, I guess you could go ahead and dive in if it's better like what pricing is better if you're doing a standalone versus an actual like series intro because that's a big old thing oh yeah this is a juicy one so i would say that right now it really depends on your strategy so back in 2018 i launched a box set at 99 cents and the reason why it made it made so much money um, and it got up to, I think, number 157 in all of Amazon. But the reason why it did so well was because of the page reads. I not only got the sales like 99 cents, like you're making 35 cents. It's, it's nothing. And I was spending money on ads. I think I was spending anywhere between 30 to $90 a day running ads. So obviously, if you're making 35 cents per 
So it really doesn't end up being something that's sustainable. But the thing that worked out was that it is in Kindle Unlimited and I was getting page reads. I was getting so many page reads. I was making hundreds of dollars per day. And so I think if your strategy, if you have the budget for it and you can play it like this, you can run ads, you can sell a book at 99 cents and you can make money off of not the sales, but the page reads. And that works out if you have a long series. And so a box set that's almost 2000 pages, if someone is addicted and they're reading that through, they're going to go fast and you're going to make money off of those page reads. Now, the downside of that is that if you aren't getting the page reads, then you aren't going to make that money. And it took a little while for those page reads to kick in. That book did best the days, I think day 30 to 60 were its best days, or maybe days 30 to 90. So the first 30 days of that release were just, they were really interesting to watch. It was really cool to watch, but they weren't the days where I had the bestseller tag, as crazy as that sounds. I didn't get a bestseller tag until after a month after. And so I would say to people that if you're launching and you think that, okay, the first week is over, the second week is over, the first month is over, don't stop marketing your book because that's when it's just beginning. And that's when you can really get some traction for it. Um, so I would say if you have a first in series though, and it's a shorter book, definitely go for the full pricing. And especially if you're not a new author and you're a more established author, sell that book at full price and make some money off of it because it's gonna be really hard to market unless you have more books in the series. And so for, um, I would say for marketing 99 cents, either a box set where you can make the money off your page reads, or if you have the first book in a series and you know it's a really strong book and people are going to buy the second book in the series, then you can also do 99 cents. But right now it seems like Amazon is kind of not letting 99 cent books do as well. They're not pushing them as hard. And so I've been trying with, um, I've been testing out the full price books and it's actually been, I've been really happy to see that people are buying them and people are going. For the other thing to remember is that if you are pricing your book at full price, just remember that if it's enrolled in Kindle Unlimited, people can read it for free. And I feel like authors forget that a lot and they go, oh, I have to do 99 cents. Well, you don't have to do 99 cents. You can still let people read it for free because it is enrolled in Kindle Unlimited. And so that that is definitely something that's more of a if you're exclusive to Amazon, if you're not exclusive to Amazon, there are different strategies to do. You might want to try like a free first in series and go that route and try to do different promos. But um, I'm not much of an expert on wide versus just being exclusively on Amazon. And so I think that answered both of your questions. But let me know <laughs> if it didn't. No, that is so good. Um, I love that you also gave that uh, information about, you know, your book is in Kindle Unlimited, so you're good to go if you price it at full price. And I love the differentiation, you know, if you have a box set, so it's sounding like for our listeners, if you're like, oh, but I'm still a little bit confused. So it's really sounding like if you have a box set, it's wise to do the first book as 99 cents because, okay, they snatch it up. They love it. They'll go on to snatch up the rest, which I've also heard that strategy works for a lot of our author friends where the first book will be like, you know, a little low loss leader ticket number 99 cents. They'll go, oh, they'll be fine with that because their series is like five, six plus books. And so, you know, if a reader reads the first at 99 cents, they'll have no problem 
problem dropping $4.99, $5.99 for the rest of the books. And so I think that's really why. So I guess it's sounding like, you know, if you want to do 99 cents, make sure that you at least have that box set. If not, make your money by pricing full price on your books, especially if you only have a first in series or if you only have maybe one, two or three books. Yeah. Absolutely. And then one other thing to tack on to the pricing thing is keep in mind that while 99 cents will help you move up the charts faster, if you're doing some heavy marketing, also keep in mind that you probably will not get quality, the kind of quality readers you're looking for. I found with 99 cents that I tend to get people that just want to read a book and they really don't care because they're going for the lowest price and they end up not really paying close attention to what they're picking up and then they tend to leave poor reviews. And so I found that when I make sure my book is priced higher then people kind of look at it first and then they buy it or they borrow it for free from Kindle Unlimited and they read it and they tend to enjoy it more. And so I've been seeing that, which is really interesting. Also, I've, I get a lot more returns at 99 cents. Like if someone buys my book at 99 cents and they read the first few pages, don't enjoy it, they'll return it. Versus if someone buys my book at $3.99, $4.99, $5.99, I don't get returns off of that because they are the quality buyers, the quality readers that I'm looking for. I think it's brilliant that you mentioned that because we do have to talk about quality leads, right? It's like, okay, you want to price your book at X, Y, and Z price, but have you considered what kind of reader that you are that you are basically building your audience out of? Because when you write the next book and you launch it, these people will not care to buy this next book because they didn't care for the first one in the first place. And then that's when you know you find all of your unsubscribers or you know people reporting you as spam or they leave you know crap reviews. Like you know they'll put pull out some obscure point in your book that they're complaining about and they give you a one-star review and you realize that had nothing to do with the series after all. You know, I remember Angela, you told me one time that someone, you know, left a bad review and they, you know, they were upset about how this, you know, that story ended only for you to realize that they began the series with the very last book of the series, which is why they were so frustrated, you know? And so they missed out on this entire series and got upset. And it's like, well, my dear friend, um, had you started at the beginning, <laughs> you wouldn't be here right now. And so I think it's really cool how you we can see through pricing, you know, the kind of audience that will be built. And going back to the previous point of, you know, when you're swapping to um, the kinds of leads that you're also getting, depending on what your, your book is priced at, I would assume that that would also trigger certain kinds of books for your, your also bought, eh? So that, that means that, you know, like these audiences are crossing over and, you know, if your book is at 99 cents, you're getting any kind of like filters <laughs> through any books that show up in those also bots versus if it's a higher quality book and it's, you know, with other authors who write almost right almost just what you do, then that even helps, that helps even more with the quality of your audience, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm not sure how much Amazon is pushing also bots now, um, but I know they still are important. And so what happens when you buy a book is that Amazon is like, oh, okay, you like fantasy. You like fantasy by this specific author. That's great. So people that have bought this book have also bought these three books. Do you want to buy them? And then you're like, oh, okay. Um, 
sure, I'll give it a try. And so that's really important to make sure that you establish those and you establish the right ones. And this is the caveat where it comes to not pushing your book on friends and family, because okay. it's likely that they don't read exactly your genre. Like I know that I have four sisters and they absolutely love my books, but only one of them actually reads fantasy by indie authors. And so she is, she's my perfect ideal audience. The others, they read all kinds of stuff. Um, and they read kind of stuff that would muddy my also bots. And so, you know, some of them read a lot of nonfiction. And so they read a lot of nonfiction, um, especially about nannying and, you know, children and stuff like that. And then they buy my book and then those books are my also bought. That's definitely not what I want. I don't want to be associated with those books, not because they aren't great books. They are, but because I want people to read books that are similar to mine. And I want Amazon to promote books that are similar to mine, including my own book to those readers. And so I think that's really important to make sure you establish those. Amazon used to have also bots pretty high up on the product pages on Amazon, but they keep changing things a lot. And so they... They do it different ways now. Um, if you get a new release notification from Amazon, you'll probably notice that they show you the book that comes out. And then they'll also show you like a group of authors or a group of books that, you know, people that have bought this book have also bought these. And you definitely want your book to be showing up there. No, absolutely. And I would like right now to continue our conversation about reviews, right? Which segues into our next point in this um, book launching conversation. ARC teams and review teams because and I just think that is so incredibly important and we as a community need to talk about this a lot more because not enough people have these teams in place and they honestly kind of like make or break I would say the initial launch of your book right you know like just making sure that for readers who have no idea who you are when they go onto that page in Amazon they can see all of these positive reviews and they're honest reviews they're verified reviews by Amazon but um they're positive which really encourages readers i know the first thing i do when i go on Amazon i go straight to the reviews i don't care about the benefits i don't care about the features i don't give i don't care about how long it is i don't care if your description is all cute and fluffy and like it, it grabbed my attention i want to read the reviews because the readers will tell me <laughs> if this book is good or not if i think that they are the type of reader that I am. And so let's talk about that. You know, how do you craft um, a good ARC and review team? Because, you know, you could put together a team that can be detrimental to your book launch. And so how do you go about building a good um, ARC team? And you can also explain what that is for those who do not know. And how do you put them to good use so that your book launch can be the most effective and profitable? Yeah. So right now I just ask my email list. And so I just go and I say, Hey, I have a new book coming out. This is what it's about. Would you like to be my, on my advanced review team? I am looking for reviews on X date. I'll send you a reminder email, click here if you would like to join. And so that's pretty simple because I have built up my email list, but building it was a little bit it was a little bit rough. And so here's what I recommend if you don't have a list and you still need to build it up, I would recommend taking your book and if you only have one, it's okay. Um, and taking a sample of that book. So the first like couple of chapters 
um, or end on like a cliffhanger or something like that that makes people want to keep reading and put that up into different list building promos. And so sites like Story Origin and Book Funnel, they allow you to put in a sample of your book and you can enter it into different group promotions and people will join your email list and they'll read your sample. And if they enjoyed it, what you can do is you can ask them once they get on your email list, hey, what did you think of the sample? Uh, would you like to keep reading? If you're interested, I would be happy to give you a review copy if you would be able to read and review within, you know, two weeks or, you know, one month or something like that, just to keep getting reviews. Um, with my, I think my highest rated single book is my debut novel, The Five Warriors. I actually did something a little bit different with that. I actually pulled it out of Kindle Unlimited and I made it wide. I put it available for free um, in different group promotions so people could read the entire book for free. And that's where I got so many of my reviews because they were getting the book, they enjoyed it. And then I asked, I made sure I asked on my email list, like, hey, uh, I know you downloaded my book, like, 30 days ago, 60 days ago, what did you think about it? Would you be willing to give me a review? I'm trying to get to 25 reviews. Once I hit 25, I would say I'm trying to get to 50 reviews. Once I got to 50, I would say I'm trying to get to 75 reviews. People really like to help with things like that. And so they were very helpful. And I think the book has about 95 or so reviews now. Um, but that was the process that I went through for that. Now, all my other books, um, aside from the box set, but that's its own thing, uh, they have, they're not as highly reviewed. And that's something that I just need to work on and making sure I go back and continue to ask. Because if you're consistently asking for those reviews and reminding people, they'll be more likely to do it. And so there you go. Just make sure you have a sample of your book that you can give away to get people interested, just a little bite to entice them. And then make sure that you continually are asking for those reviews. Yeah, no, that is so, so good. I love that you mentioned that asking for the review, because I know, even for myself, and it's only now and I've been a lifelong reader, and it's now I'm catching myself. Stephanie, you finish reading these books, you never go and review them, like you finish it. Maybe if you put it if you did the whole good read, you know, automatically saying good read that you're reading it when you're done, it'll pop up, you know, how many stars do you give. So I'll give a star rating, but like, I'll never actually go and physically write a review. And I'm like, but this really helps the author. This really helps the book. So I think that's really, that's a really good point. And how you said you collected these, uh, these people. And I think that's really good because I mean, you had a curated list already. So I think that's really good. That goes back to, okay, you need to build a specific list because if you're going to get, you're going to get ARC readers and reviews from these people, they need to be your target reader. So I think that's really that's really awesome. And, you know, for people to actually take those tips and apply it to, you know, how they go ahead and they build a review team, whether they only have one book, whether they have many, many books. And so I want to go ahead and transition into advertising and promo sites. And so what, let's talk about advertising first. What advertising platforms do you find are the best? Um, which one do you prefer and why do you prefer them? How have they helped you in having a successful indie career? Yeah, so advertising is hard. Um, it's one of those things where it can be kind of difficult to figure out if you're just like 
wasting money or if you're actually making money and is it worth it running those those ads? I think now it's a lot easier to tell, but uh, I decided for myself that even though I knew that I should be doing ads, I didn't really want to just do them just to do them. And so I took an advertising course, um, Mark Dawson's Ads for <laughs> Authors, shout out to that. Um, that's the course that I ended up taking just to figure out how to make sure I knew my way around ads and I understood what was going on. And then later, um, it's it's something I continue to learn. And so I, I follow different strategies and I have a little author group where we kind of share strategies with each other as well. Um, but the two things that I really like, and there are a lot of books out there too, and I'll add links to the ones that I highly recommend reading to, because I don't think you have, you don't necessarily have to take a course in order to learn advertising. You can just read books and apply what they what they tell you to do in there because a lot of authors like of these books, they, they're very clear with their strategies. They include screenshots inside the book so you can see what to do. Um, you can, you can just go for it. Um, so I would say that my favorite ads platform is Facebook and I really like it, but it's a lot easier to use Amazon ads. Um, yeah. So Amazon, for me, the thing that I like to do is starting out when I have a new book come out, I try to make sure I turn on my Amazon ads as soon as possible, uh, just because I think that and this is just a thought of mine, but I think that it also helps me build my also bots. And so what I'll do is Amazon lets you set up. I would do sponsored ads on Amazon and Amazon also lets you choose whether you just want them to automatically choose the keywords or if you want to put in a keyword list. And so I like to do both. So number one with the automatic ads, it kind of looks like at what I have written on my product page and it kind of decides, okay, well, you know, she used the word epic fantasy. So we'll use epic fantasy and show that to people who are searching for epic fantasy on Amazon. I usually bid pretty low. Um, Amazon recommends, sometimes they recommend that I bid, bid like, you know, $2 per click. Um, yikes. Uh, but I, I usually bid pretty low, like under a dollar. And this is where pricing comes into play. And so if you have a book that is 99 cents and you are bidding a dollar per click, you are losing some major money unless you're getting crazy page reads. Uh, if you have a book that is full price and you are bidding a dollar per click and you're actually making those sales then you're more likely to be making more money. Like you'll have a higher profit in the end as long as you have really good keywords. And so I like to use um, the, the automatic and I set my daily budgets like pretty low. I do like $5 a day on my ads because I just don't know. It's just like stressing me out to spend so much money on ads and I have other expenses and stuff. And even though like I'm not like the money I make from being an author isn't like all the money that I'm making is not my solo stream of income. It's it's still a good stream of income. And so I don't want to just use 100% of it on advertising. So I set my bids pretty low, uh, $5 a day. And then Amazon, they they do report back and they've gotten better at the reporting. Um, they let me know which keywords have contributed to what sales. And so complete epic fantasy series might bring in, you know, it might have five clicks and bring in one sale. So that's, so I know that, oh, let me feed some more money into this. Let me bid a little bit higher. But they actually give you a list of keywords so you can see what people are um, clicking on and what phrases or searches are getting them to your books. 
And then also, I also like to go and I have a list of authors that their books are similar to mine. And so for manual keywords, I put in their names and I target them. And that's what I do. And so I think it's re really helpful to have a list of, you know, even if you only have a list of 50 authors that you know your books are very similar to, make sure you create that list. And that goes a little bit into the research part of your book launch, but create that list and then run ads against them. And that also helps build your also bots because if someone is looking at their book and they see your book and then they buy your book, then bingo, there's your also bot. Um, but I like Facebook ads. So Facebook, and I think we had a conversation with, uh, it may have been Andy P. Logan, um, episode 27. We talked about Facebook ads and he was talking about how you can have more engagement with people on Facebook just because they... They can look at your ads and then you can have that conversation with them as they're commenting on it. I also like it because people share my ads. I have pretty artwork and people love it. They're like, ooh, this is hot. I'm going to share it. And so they share it. And I love getting those shares. I love seeing the little hearts and the likes and all that stuff. That's great. And then um, I would recommend using, I use Story Origin because you can put in your Amazon affiliate links and you can track and see if people are clicking on your ads and then buying or if they're just clicking and wasting your money. And so I think that's really important to track that. And then I also have a spreadsheet that I use because I'm not too big on math and I don't wanna check every single day to make sure that I'm making money with my ads. So, I mean, sure, I can set my budgets and I can say, I'm going to advertise $5 a day on Facebook, $5 a day on Amazon. And let me make sure I'm making at least $20 a day in royalties and that's profit. But I would rather, bid a little bit higher, not check every single day. And then like at the end of a week or at the end of um, a month, go back and make sure that, you know, my, my profit is higher than my expenses. And so I just recommend finding your own way to track and figure out, you know, how you want to keep track of that. Whew. That was a lot, but it was so good. First of all, can we talk about mic drop using other authors' names as keywords? I have been in this space since 2015. I have never thought of that. Here I am thinking of sword and sorcery, magic, da -da 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 -da, using the names of authors. Y'all, if you take something, take that, <laughs> okay? <laughs> using the names of other authors as keywords because that is brilliant for also bots, which is brilliant for more income and for getting a very targeted audience. That is so brilliant. Oh my goodness. So good. And I love that you re that you brought up that point again with the Facebook ads, because Andy Pelican did talk about that, where, you know, if people will comment on those ads, then you as the author can go back in there, engage with them. So even if they don't, if they initially come off as like, oh, I hate your book, you know, this looks like it's going to suck. You know, you can have a conversation with them. And just because of your personality, then it'll like win them over and they'll say, oh, well, you know, okay, well, maybe I'll try the book. Maybe I'll try. It, you know, and then next, you know, they turn out to be like diehard fans for the rest of your life. And so I just think that is incredibly brilliant. I love how you made the distinction between Amazon and Facebook, because I always find it fascinating. Authors always prefer one or the other. Most of them do both. What I would ask as well is, do you think advertising is necessary as an indie author? Well, 
I guess it depends. Actually, you know, no, my answer is yes. I think advertising <laughs> is absolutely necessary because it also depends on whether you want to be an indie author that has a book out there so that the five people that want the paperback can buy it or if you want to make money and if you want to be seen in the charts and you want to make money, you have to advertise as crazy as this is. I know the moment I turn off my Amazon ads, my rank is going to drop. It's just going to head down. It is just going to just sink like a stone unless I turn my ads back on and or unless I have a cool newsletter swap going on. And that's about it. So in order to keep my rank up, to keep my visibility with my books, I have to run ads. And that it's a double-edged sword right there. Like you, you have to run ads, but then also you want to make sure that you're you're making money. And the other thing with with books is that every book is different. And so you might have a book and it might do so well with Amazon ads. And you're like, this is amazing. You might do the exact same strategy with another book and it's different. And so I usually only run ads on either box sets or the very first book in a series. And that's it. So you mentioned newsletter swaps and I want to talk about that because they're important. I know personally how much newsletter swaps have helped me and it not only does wonders for your books, but it just does wonders for your community and your circle in general. But we won't we won't go into that. That's a different conversation. But let us talk about newsletter swaps. Can you just explain to our listeners the importance of them, what they actually are, what they do, and how you can use them to be the most effective to have a successful book launch? Yeah. So again, newsletter swaps are when um, you recommend an author's book in your newsletter to your email list and they do the same for your book. And so usually they're different. There are a bunch of different groups on Facebook, but you want to find authors that are in your very same genre or subgenre if you're having a launch. Um, and you want to ask them, hey, like between these dates, I have my book is going to be this price. Um, it's going to be on in Kindle Unlimited. I have, you know, 5,000 on my email list. Would you be willing to swap? I can return the favor in May or June or July or whenever you have a new release. Uh, there are a bunch of authors that, you know, we just kind of know that we're all going to have multiple releases throughout the year. And so we've got each other's back. Um, it's not really a like a one for one is whenever you have a new release, I'm going to share it because I like you. And so I, I think this is where it comes into building a community. And we had a great interview with J.A. Andrews where we really talked about community and building that. And I think that is so important. That's why you want to have those groups. That's why you want to find authors that write, you know, very similar to the way you write who are in that same genre that you write in just because it's so helpful to have them. It's so helpful to know that you can launch a book and you can like post in your little inner circle and say like, hey, I have any release. Can anyone share it if they have space in their newsletter between this time and this time? And they go, yeah, I got you. And that's it. Um, I think it's really important for for authors to have that section in their newsletter where they're sharing others' books. And I try to keep it to one to two books because more than that, it can be overwhelming. But the thing is that readers like to read. And usually I, I try to target readers that are in Kindle Unlimited because readers in Kindle Unlimited are well readers. They read. They will sit down. If I have a book that comes out, they will sit down, read it in a day and move on to the next book. And I don't have a new book coming out every single day. And so I like to share something new in my newsletter with them every single week. You don't have to do a weekly newsletter. That's just where my comfort level is at right now. That might change. Who knows? 
But um, it's nice to have something to share with them every single week when I'm sending out an email because they they really enjoy that. They click on it and they find something new to read. And the other thing that that does, it is it helps to build thoughts. And so I try to make sure that these are great books, that um, they are well-reviewed, that the covers are great, that they're attractive, that they're in my subgenre because they will likely end up in my also bots. And so that's another reason why you should do newsletter swallows, but also it is free advertising. Like you don't have to pay all this money out in ads and stuff, it's free advertising. So that's really helpful for your release. So let's talk about the specifics of a newsletter swap. How, how specific do you have to get, right? Like for someone like myself who writes YA fantasy, granted right now I focus specifically on young adult epic fantasy, right? But for our listeners who are like, oh, okay, well I can get, you know, I write, you know, I write science fiction. I can just swap with anybody, right? Like how specific do you think they have to get as far as like the kinds of authors that they can swap with? Like, is it YA fantasy who writes romance with another YA fantasy who writes romance or YA fantasy who writes romance, but you can also swap with YA fantasy who does paranormal? Like how specific do you think these swaps should be? So I think it really, um, it depends on where you are in your launch cycle. So in the first 30 days, I would try to only swap with people that are very similar to you. So YA that writes romance with YA that writes romance first 30 days. After that, you can go broad and just pretty much swap with anyone that writes fantasy. No worries. You know, even if they write more adult stuff, you know, you can go pretty broad, like after your first 30 days or first 30 days, you're really focusing on like building out your also bots. And mm -hmm. I'm sure that's when Amazon really is kind of like looking at your book and going, this is the moment sink or swim. Are they, do they have good also bots or is this a YA fantasy romance? But people that are buying it are also buying science fiction. And now Amazon's algorithm is confused. Absolutely. So so that's the why you want to kind of keep it close the first 30 days. And then after that, you can just do whatever. Just keep it in that genre. Yeah, no, I think that's really smart. And, you know, and I, I specifically wanted to get that question out because I know it may sound like, okay, well, you know, I write um, urban fantasy. So why can't I swap with someone who writes epic fantasy? Totally different. So um, I think it's really wise to make that distinction. Like, you know, when you're swapping, make sure you get to as close to what you write as possible. And there's so many books out there. There are authors who write what you write. So it's just a matter of doing the work to find these authors that write what you write. And actually, um, as we talk about doing the work, let's talk about research for a second. Um, when it goes into launching your books and actually crafting a book launch plan, because this is not something you do haphazard, you know, it's like th there's a plan to this. Um, how do you go about researching and like just ironing out your book launch plan before you go ahead and hit publish. Yeah. So usually when I'm writing, I kind of already have my target audience in mind. And this really goes back to writing to market. Like when you write to market, it's because you understand the market and you know what they like. And so you're writing something very similar to them. And so usually when I'm writing, I have a few authors in mind who have already inspired me. And mm -hmm. I'm targeting their audiences and their books. And so, so for example, my um, Tales of the Enchanted Wildwood, 
Um, a couple of authors that I've really enjoyed who write something that's along the similar timelines are um, Grace Draven. Uh, she is, I'm pretty sure she's a traditionally published author, but she tends to write fairy tale retellings. They're very adult, but they're very beautiful. And I've really enjoyed them. And so I, I don't know that I intentionally thought this, but when I was writing um, my very first story, Queen of the Wildwood, I think that was kind of in the back of my head. Like I was like, oh, I just want to have that same feeling when I get to the end of the book that I had when I got to the end of the book when I read her book. And so I think that my research is more abstract because I'm kind of like searching for that same feeling that I had when I finished a book, but I do have a list of authors that I'm pulling inspiration from, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Um, and then one of the things I like to do when I'm sitting down to put together my keyword list, obviously I go to my group of authors, but with my um, Tales of the Enchanted Wildwood, it is more fantasy romance. And so I am actually taking a look at the bestsellers list of fantasy romance and seeing what those authors are and looking at their books and then like maybe even cracking some open and reading them and making sure that they're along the same lines. And the reason to do that is Fantasy is such a massive subject. It's so massive. Like you can write different things in fantasy, like urban fantasy. But I usually don't mesh well with people that write urban fantasy just because it's completely different from epic fantasy. And so I'm still writing epic fantasy, but I'm writing it in a small condensed romance setting. And so I'm looking for people that are doing something similar to me. And so I would say if you're doing research, like go straight to Amazon for it and look for the genre that you're reading or writing in and dig through the, the bestseller books on the list because you want to make sure that your book looks beautiful next to them, that people would go for your book versus, you know, one of those other books. And then you also want to make sure that your blurb is similar. And then um, you want to take a look at, you know, we all have our unique writing styles, but there are things and stories that are pretty much always the same, the beginning, the middle, and the end. Um, with fantasy romance, it's pretty much, I mean, boy meets girl, they live happily ever after, you know, right at the end, at least I'm writing happily ever after. So, you know, like those <laughs> things are always going to be the same. Sure. But it's just kind of the, the how does that happen that makes it interesting and exciting. So yeah, I think that answers that question. Yeah, no, that is so good. And oh my gosh, you know, we are getting close to our time, but I do have a couple more questions because this is so good um, and really important discussion to have because a book, you know, having a solid book launch strategy so that you can be successful is so good because nothing is worse. We've all experienced it. Nothing is worse than launching your book and it falls flat and it goes no nowhere. Like it is the most defeating thing. And you have to like pick yourself up from that and like convince yourself that you're not awful. You just got to try again. And so I love just all of the wisdom that's been given as far as like putting together a strategy that will really help. And so let's talk about you know, what to do for marketing after you've released, you know, like, what are the some of the things that you put in place? Because again, this is not haphazard, you know, like we think about these things before you launch the book, what do you do now? Yeah, so and I would say when you're launching, decide on your strategy and stick with it for at least 30 days, like don't don't go, okay, it's day eight. And I haven't had, you know, the sales that I thought I would have. So I'm going to pull the plug, you know, like, 
keep going. Like there are little things that can be tweaked. Like I'll go back and I might tweak my, the headline of my book. Like I wrote, um, I think for Tales of the Wildwood, I put it as an adult fairy tale and I forgot to put the fantasy romance line in there. And so I went back and added that, you know, there are little things. If you need to tweak your blurb a little bit, go ahead and do that. But don't just don't like launch and then give up on it, you know, hit it hard and then hit it even harder. And so the things that I do after a book release and the things that I do to keep my book selling all year long is that I will keep advertising. Now my advertising budget does go up and down. So there's sometimes when I am not running Facebook ads, there are times when I'm not running Amazon ads, but I always try to keep ads running at some point to keep those books higher up in the charts and keep the visibility. And then I continue to do newsletter swaps. Right now I'm using story origin to help me organize swaps so I don't forget everything is super awesome. And I highly recommend that if you're the kind of person that just needs one place to go to see like a calendar of what you have coming up and to keep yourself organized, I would do that. And I try to remind myself, I'm a little bad at it, honestly, but I try to remind myself to go in and make sure I'm scheduling those newsletter swaps and then also putting out the sample of the book so that people can read it. And so I actually hired um, Art of the Arcane. They do book funnel management. I hired them to do to make sure my sample is getting out to people. They put it in group promos. Um, they make sure the book is in group promos. They do all of that for me. And so that just makes sure that every single month I have new people coming across to my email list and finding the book. And then I also have people that are going to Amazon to either download it from Kindle Unlimited or go ahead and purchase it. And so I would say, make sure you have your monthly strategy, whatever it is that you're gonna do, if you're low on funds, then do the newsletter swaps and focus on your email list. If you have enough funds for ads, you know, learn ads, play with them, take risks, figure out what it is that works well for you and go that route. But make sure you do, you're doing something every single month to make sure that your book continues to sell. That is so good. And then my final question, um, when it comes to after you hit publish and then really all of this work that you that you set up now starts to kick in right because now you're like okay am i going to see results from everything that i just did or is it all going to fall flat still um let's talk a little bit about social media like I, in 2020 we cannot escape social media like it is here to stay right so how do you use social media to the you know to the best of its ability to work for you when it comes to especially Facebook and Instagram. I will say I know personally, I do not pay a lick of attention to Twitter. And that's no knock to the platform or the authors that choose to use it. It works well for them. It does not work for me. I do. I just I don't find myself in the Twitter space. Um, I do, however, find myself in the Instagram space at all times. And then Facebook is like a low second. And so how do you use social media to um, to your effect and to make it work for your books when you launch so that it can be successful for you? Like, how do you how does social media play into all of this for you? Yeah, social media definitely is its own strategy. And I would agree with you that for authors, I think having your Facebook page and then Instagram, those are really the two places where you want to be. Just because Twitter is a platform where you are having conversations with people and a tweet goes by really fast. I forget what it is that the lifetime of a tweet is, but it's something that's super short and it's really not worth your while to be on there unless you are um, following specific hash hashtags and just, you know, part of tweet chats and really building that community there. 
basically you're on there 24 seven, just, you know, spending time. But as authors, we don't have time to do that. And so I would recommend just graphics. I'm finding that being on Instagram, it's very helpful posting daily. Um, I used to have my husband do more of it for me. And it was super helpful because I needed that motivation. But now I'm finding I can take it back and do it myself. Just because people are looking for that authentic voice. They they love the photos, but they just really want you to say like, hey, um, so I had breakfast today. And it was great. And now I'm having my coffee. And I saw a groundhog outside on my porch. And that's really interesting. Um, they, they like that, just like the low key conversations and just having that talks with them. And then if people are, they enjoy you and they enjoy your page and how authentic you are when you do release a book and you're posting the, the photo of it and you're telling people about it and how excited you are, they will be more likely to go and buy it. And I have seen direct sales come from social media, but more of it really is um, sharing it and then having other people share it too. Like with my Facebook page, I know if I post about my new release, I know a bunch of people are just automatically going to go share it because that is what they are going to do. And uh, I usually start out with my postings. I do post, but usually I use ads to really beef that up. And so by the time someone is seeing my my post about my new release usually is because usually they also have seen one of my ads. And so they are more likely to buy because I'm warming them up by showing them an ad over and over and over again. I'm also having my my different pictures that I post on my Instagram so they can see, you know, my face and then, oh, here's the book. Here's some more beautiful artwork and this is that and the other. And then they're like, oh, I'm being really worn down. I'm going to read it. And so I think one of the things that's really important to remember especially when it comes to social media, is that it's important to be authentic and to be yourself, but also to remember that it, it used to take up to seven times for someone to see something before they buy. Now it might be a little bit more. It might be closer to 10 to 12. But you know, if you're showing that same photo over and over and over again, people are more likely. You're going to reach new people. They're going to be more likely to get it. And as long as it's something that's beautiful and gorgeous, you're going to pull in those uh those bookstagrammers, they're going to be like, oh, I need to buy this. And it's going to be fun. So I would I would say the, the number one thing to do with social media is to make sure that you are asking questions to your audience and getting them to engage and have those conversations um, just before, you know, you drop the bomb and say, okay, here's the book. Buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Can I have your coins now? Thank you. <laughs> Yes. What a powerful and conversation with so much sage advice. So what I would say now is what is one specific thing that you would tell indie listeners about their book launching? Like what is the biggest takeaway that you would leave with them? Yeah, I would say, you know, put together your plan. And if you're you're not sure that it's a good plan, and make sure you talk to someone that, you know, like come across the community and chat with us about it. We love talking about that kind of stuff. But, you know, talk to someone about it and really get solid on what you need to do. I found that my best book launches have been when I have had community around me to help me out versus when I'm just by myself and launching. And I think that's one of the things that it can be it can be difficult to have that conversation with other authors, but I would say definitely don't be afraid to say like, hey, we both write fantasy and I have a new book coming out and I was thinking about doing this. What do you think? And then they can say, yeah, that's great. That's perfect. I would also do this too. And then you're on your way. You're good to go. And so I would say don't don't let it be too much of a private thing. Make sure that you know you also have 
that community, those people that you can talk to about it and get advice to make it even better. So, so good. I hope you guys were taking notes. I warned you to have a pen or pencil and a notebook. Please go back, listen to this again and again. There's just so much practical information in here that you can apply right away. Thank you, Angela, for just giving us so much wisdom because this is an important conversation to have. You know, it's not just about pretty book covers and, you know, having, you know, perfect grammar in your book. Like there's so much more to making sure that your book launch is successful. And um, as Angela mentioned, come over to the community. If you did not know, we have migrated from the Mighty Networks platform to Facebook. So if you look up Indie Author Lifestyle on Facebook, you will find the community. We encourage you to join us. You know, just go ahead and click that join group button. We'll have you in our community. Ask your questions. Feel free to share what it is that you've tried. If it worked, if it didn't work, um, you know, we'll give you critique. We'll give you feedback. We'll be more than happy to assist you. So thanks, you guys, for listening to this episode. Thank you. Angela for giving us so much wisdom and we will catch you guys on the next episode. The journey to becoming a full-time author on your own terms doesn't have to be lonely or hard. We have an awesome community where we chat daily, write together, and motivate each other. To be part of this vibrant community of indie authors living their best bookish life on their own terms, go to IndieAuthorLifestyle.com forward slash inner circle for more information. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love to hear more from you. Leaving a rating or review helps us to create more great content like this. Be sure to rate this episode and subscribe to the show. Thanks for listening to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. See you inside the community.